I'll be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Josh Locke. I'm an elder here at Shiloh, and I have the privilege of continuing our series on 1 John. And if you've been joining us for most of the summer, we've been reading through this. Um, we have been spending time reading through 1 John in church, and then at home, we've said, hey, would you join us as well? And so we've, we've had a reading plan, chapter one on Monday, chapter two on Wednesday, and we've done that. This is our, I don't know, sixth time going through it, and uh, we're just soaking in the word at this point. Uh, 1 John was written because there was a lot of cultural noise. There was a lot of confusion, and there were a lot of people trying to tell the believers, hey, you know what? There's more to religion that you need, or that, like you don't have enough, right? You need to do this, or there's this extra thing that you have to have. And John was saying, that is not the case at all. So the secret sauce of Christianity, which is what this, this whole series is about, is that there is no secret sauce, right? It's Jesus Christ, and that's it. And that carries through this whole book as we study it. So today, we're, we're jumping into chapter 4, verses 7 to 21, and in this, this last part of the letter, John is talking to us about responding to the love of God, and today it's about how we love one another. So, <clears throat> let's read this together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Because perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother or sister. So Father, we welcome you here today. God, we, we want to hear what it is your word is telling us. Your word is the authority, and so we, we look to that now. We pray for wisdom and direction as we, as we study this. Amen. All right. So, the first part of this letter, John has, makes a comment that really carries through the whole section uh, of, of our passage today. And he says, dear friends, let's love one another. And so before we go any further, we really need to identify and define what, what does that mean, love one another. So the Greek word for love, there's four Greek words for love. Uh, they have to do with like romantic love, brotherly love. The, the word that John is talking about 
is agape, agape love, which is considered the greatest love that there is. So agape love is an active love that God has for his son and his people. It's unconditional. You, you may know the Bible verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, right? That's God agape the world. That's the type of love that, that he's talking about. Agape love is a love of choice. It's a love at the highest level. It's a love of serving with humility. It's not based off of feelings or emotions. And it may involve emotion, but it will always involve action. <clears throat> I'm getting a ringing up here. You guys hear that? No? Okay, good. So John MacArthur, who's a theologian, defines agape love like this. Biblical agape love is not an emotion, but a disposition of the heart to seek the welfare and meet the needs of others. It is love that gives, and there is no taking involved. It is completely unselfish. It seeks the highest good for one another, no matter what the cost. And it's demonstrated supremely by Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. So every time you see the word love in this section, John is talking about this kind of love, this huge, unbelievable love. And as, you know, if you're sitting here thinking, well, how could I do that? Right? The, the truth is we couldn't do that without experiencing it from God and without the Holy Spirit doing a work in us. So the second part, one another. Who's that one another? Uh, one another, John is talking about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're a Christian here, he's talking about the way that you love other Christians. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And by this you will know, that they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus says that the way of the world will know that we're Christians is by how we love each other. So 1 John 4, 7 to 8, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So you'll see in, in this passage that John gives the directives. He says things like love one another, right? There's almost like a command, but the way that John is, is writing this, the tone is, is not, hey, this is what you should do, but it's, you know, in response to what God has given us, in light of the love that we've received from God, let's love each other. And then through this whole passage, we'll see John give them proofs to encourage them, to say, hey, don't listen to what the world is telling you. Let me tell you that your hope is sure. You have assurance in Christ. And he says, if you love, you're born of God and know God. So does this mean you have to love perfectly every time? Of course not. But if you are trying to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then John is saying, that is assurance for you that you are in God. And then in verse 8, he doesn't just say that God is loving. God is loving, but he says that God is love. That's part of his nature. And so when we don't love other people, there's this idea that we're rejecting who God is for us. And <clears throat> for each of these passages, I just I wanted to ask the question, how do we see God through this? Like, what does this teach us about the Father? And you know, looking at this, I, I felt like it taught us that we see God as the source of love for us. Verses 9 and 10, and this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the proof again, John says, 
here's how you know that God loves you. Here's how you know that you are in him. It's because he sent his son, right? John was there with Jesus. So he saw that. He's saying, this is how you can know that he loves us. The ESV changes the last couple words in that, in that verse. It says that uh, <clears throat> this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So this is a concept that I can still remember learning about because it, it changed my life. A propitiation is a sacrifice that removes God's wrath. And I can remember sitting in Knoxville, Tennessee in 2008 at Fellowship Church on a Monday night, and Pastor Greg Pinkner is speaking, and he is teaching about this. You know, because for my life, it has been a struggle for me to think of God in this way of of love, right? I, I just felt like God was always up in heaven keeping score, keeping track of the good I did, and that, I, that would have to be enough. And this verse tells us that Jesus removed the wrath that God has for us. So what does that look like? The, the way I was taught, you know, if you, let's say you have a family member driving in a car, a drunk driver hits them and they die, right? The drunk driver will go to jail. The insurance company will come and say, here's a check for $200,000 and we're good, right? Are you still mad? Are you? Yeah, of course you're still mad, right? But God, in his unbelievable love, allows Jesus to be a sacrifice that removes wrath for us. So God has no wrath for us when we have Jesus. So how do we see God through this passage? God loved us first with a generous, action-oriented love. 11 and 12, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So John Piper, who's an author, theologian, he says this idea of that we ought to love one another. He means it in the same way that a fish ought to swim in water or a bird ought to fly in the air. When we experience and have the love of God in us, our natural outpouring is that we love other people. It's part of our nature at that. And What's great is we can't see God, but the world, but we can see the Father when we love one another. God says we have a picture of that. So how does this, uh, how do we see God through this passage? God's love propels us and produces in us love for others. John 13, and this is how we, and this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. So again, this is one of those proofs. John is saying to believers, hey, the Holy Spirit is proof that you belong to God. And you know, what, what does that mean, right? What does that mean that the Holy Spirit is proof? So Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So does the world experience love? Of course. Does the world experience joy? Absolutely. But when I've walked through people in my life who have died, and I'm sitting there around people who are grieving, and I feel the peace that passes understanding in my heart, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Or if you are dealing with making good choices about whatever it is in life, how you react to people, the things that you do, the things that you look at, and you make that choice to stop 
That is the Holy Spirit producing self-control in you. Right? If you have, if you're going through a horrible experience and you have the love or the joy in your heart that doesn't make sense, or if you're able to forgive, that's the Holy Spirit producing fruit in us. Right? So that's what John is saying. As you experience that fruit, that's a sign that that God loves you. So if you're thinking, hey, I don't really know that. I can't think of times in my life where that's happened before. I think the, the first thing could be maybe, have you ever made a choice to follow God? Have you ever said that you want to follow him? Because this is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we confess Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior. So if you haven't done that, and this, this is resonating with you, then we'll have a time of prayer afterwards for you to come and to do that, to make that choice to follow God. Or this could mean if, if you don't experience this or you're not seeing this fruit in your life and you've made that choice, this might mean that we need to grow. Right, church, maybe, maybe what we need to do is ask God, would you produce this fruit in us? Would you show me how to cultivate this? And ask God to do this because his Holy Spirit's in you. His word tells us that. And as we ask him to produce his fruit and we spend time in his presence, right? So we spend time in the word, we spend time in prayer, we spend time uh, in service, we spend time in worship. As we spend time with the Father and ask him to create that fruit in us, you know, we'll have opportunities where you can start to recognize more a, a situation you're in that would normally just be a problem. Well, maybe it's now an opportunity to have patience, Right? Like if, if you're wanting patience, you're know, like, I'm just not a patient person. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is patience. And so, you know, next time you're in traffic and you're stuck, or next time your kids don't listen to you, or w- whatever it is, maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, God, would you produce this patience in me? So, how does this, the, how do we see God through this passage? That God allows us to live in Him. Verses 14 and 16 through 16. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, and God lives in them, and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So John is writing this to demonstrate to believers to say, hey, listen, let me tell you the truth. The world, culture has tried to confuse you, and John is saying, no, that, that, you don't need to worry about what the world says, about where your hope is, about what the truth is. He's saying, I can tell you the truth. He's, he's an authority here because John is saying, I've seen and testified because he has actually seen. He was there with Jesus. He saw Jesus do that. So he is saying, I'm an authority on this. You know, and, and as I was praying and, and thinking through this passage, I just think we live in a time when the world would very much like to confuse truth and confuse what the word says and confuse what it means to follow God. I was listening to this podcast and one of the, the speakers started talking about how they think all religions are, you know, you're on a path and if, as long as you're on a path to religion, they all get to the same place, right? Which sounds nice, right? That sounds great. We know that's not true. That's not what the word tells us. The church, the world will try to confuse you and tell you that you, that you hope in other things, and John is saying, listen, I'm an authority here. And he is saying that if you acknowledge Jesus is the son of God, God lives in you, in you and God. That's the secret sauce. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else. So John is telling us that, that he is the authority. 
to let the word of God be the authority in your life. How do we see God through this passage? God gave us a way to him, and it's, it's through Jesus. 17 and 18, and this is how love is made complete among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus, and there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so, as I was reading through this passage and, and preparing, this really, I, I struggled with understanding what this was talking about. It was confusing, and so, I don't know, has anyone ever read a passage where you're like, I don't really get it, I don't know what's happening here? Anyone that happened to? Okay, look around, right? Th- this happens, this happens where you don't understand, and that's okay. So here's what I did. I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again, right? Did, still didn't, didn't happen. You know, then, then I said, God, would you, you know, bring, bring clarity to me? And if you're doing this for your daily reading, right, maybe you just kind of move on from that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't just say, hey, guys, I don't get it. You know, next slide. Can't do that. So <laughs> I, I looked at commentaries. I looked at the other translations. I listened to sermons about this. Uh, but, but I really believe, and I, I saw this beautiful picture as I spent time trying to understand what this is talking about. So John is saying, this is how love is made complete. So there's this idea that love is not complete yet. John says that on our day of judgment, which is the day that you or I die, right? When we die, we go to the Father and, and are judged. And John is saying, in that day, you can have confidence because in this world, we're like Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, we just learned that Jesus was a propitiation for our sin. He's a sacrifice that removes our wrath. So when we face judgment and we go to the Father, when God is looking at us, he has no wrath towards us. Romans says that Jesus' blood has satisfied that wrath. So when we go to the Father, we have, he has no wrath towards us. We don't have to bring our own goodness, our own righteousness, because we have Jesus' righteousness there for us. And when Jesus' righteousness is there, that's what God sees, and he welcomes us into his kingdom. And so John is saying, you can have confidence. Right, Shiloh, you can have confidence because in this day, when that happens, that day of judgment, if you have Jesus, there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. So if you have Jesus, that is a joyful, it's, just, it's probably a very fearful time, it's a joyful time, but the end result is that we you know, go into the kingdom. And the other side of this is true as well. It would be a fearful, terrifying time to go before God and to face his wrath. Because his wrath has not been satisfied on Jesus. And we would, you would have to go and bring your own goodness and your righteousness. Isaiah says that our own righteousness is filthy rags. Right? If you want to look up a, 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 the literal translation of that, it is a very colorful description of nothing good. Our righteousness is nothing. Right? God expects us to be perfect. We, we've said that before. And we do that through Jesus' righteousness. So... When we face that day of judgment, we're like Jesus because we have Jesus' righteousness for us. We have no fear and love. And that should encourage us. And this is, this is the secret sauce. It's Jesus. That's it. That's the secret sauce. So how do we see God through this passage? God has planned to complete his love in all of us through Jesus. John 4, 1 John 4, 19 to 21 we believe, or, and, and we love because he first loved us. 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. So John finishes up this passage and he gives them a test. He's saying, here's a way that you can tell that you are loving your brothers and sisters in Christ or that you're loving God. How do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I believe that this is the question that that the Lord would want us to wrestle with today. How are we loving each other? How do we love with that agape love? How do we love one another in that? Because we can see through this passage that God will hold us accountable for how we love our brothers and sisters. So Jesus' words in John 13, 34, and 35, we read this earlier. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how we love each other, the world should see that. It should be visible. It should be obvious to them. It should be different to them. And so I think the question that God wants us to wrestle with is how are we loving one another? Right? When you think of the people in your life who are believers, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, that's people here, that's people at home, that's you know, whoever that you deal with that are believers, how do we love each other? So, what are some practical ways we can do this? This is a, an incomplete list of ways to love like God. So, there are plenty of ways to do this, but this, these are a couple that stood out to me. To live life together. So, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Or Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. So, living life together is putting yourself in proximity, whether that's physically in proximity, whether that's relationally in proximity. But when we live life together, we have an opportunity to love one another, right? So a great way to do this is small groups. Small groups is coming up. It starts in in about three weeks. September 24th is the first week. So this is an opportunity. It's not the only way, but it's definitely a way that you can start to live life with other people and, and have opportunities to love. So when you're together when you're close, how can you love? You can bear each other's burdens. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Or Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You know, I can think of times when I have sat with friends, with other people who have gone through death, who are walking through it, right? That can be uncomfortable, right? Death isn't a really happy conversation, and when someone has experienced loss and you're there with them, that doesn't always exactly feel good, but that is a way that we can show love because it is a love that is only giving and you're not taking any back. So when we do that, we're loving like God has called us to love. Another way if we're living life together is to encourage and challenge each other. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or John 8, 11, this is after Jesus forgave the adulterous woman and he stopped the stoning. He says, go and leave your life of sin. Right? So sometimes when we love, it's a little bit more challenging. Right? There's encouraging, that's in there too, but sometimes there's challenge that we have to do that. I can think of times when I have been challenged by people up here talking, by conversations with people. Right? When I sit down with, with other leaders and hear what they're doing, I'm, I'm challenged by that. 
Uh, or I've had times when I've had to call out brothers, my actual brothers or friends, to say, hey, is this really, is what you're doing right? But when we do that, when we challenge people towards the Father, that's, that's a way that we can love. And then forgive as we've been forgiven. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Yeah, I, I can think, you know, how this applies to me. I've heard um, sermons from a lot, messages of people talking where it, it hurt me, right? Because maybe they weren't accurate or, you know, whatever. I've heard, I've had people do things in my life that hurt. And I tell my kids all the time when, you know, they're, they've done something and that their brother asks them to forgive them, right? When we don't forgive, it's, it's only hurting you, right? God is saying the level and the measure at which you forgive is the measure you've received from him. Right? That's how we're, we're called to forgive in a huge way. As a church, I think this, this can be challenging to forgive the people that we're close to. And then lastly, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, fourth way. This is the love chapter. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this. But that's all talking about agape love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? So that, that is a way that we can love. When we have patience with people, we're loving in that way. So let's review what we've learned from 1 John 4, 7 to 21. God is the source of love. That God loved us with a, God loved us first with a generous action-oriented love. God's love propels us and produces in us love for others. His love allows us to live in him, and he gave us a way to him. God has planned to complete his love in us, and he holds us accountable for how we love our fellow brothers and sisters. So church, today as we close, a couple things I want to share with you. Prayer. If you, if you would like prayer for anything at all, we have a, a group of people who will be up here who want to pray with you. If you're going through trauma, if you're going through a situation, uh, if you need wisdom, whatever it is, you can come up and pray. If you want to make that decision to follow Jesus and you want to say, I want that fruit of the Spirit, I want the Holy Spirit in me to have that confidence, you can come up and pray with us. Would you join me this week in reading 1 John one more time? So I'll be doing this with you. Uh, I, so tomorrow, 1 John 1, Tuesday, 1 John 2, and, and finish out this, this uh, time of, of meditating and, and um, just studying the Word of God. And then lastly, I think the challenge and the question that God wants us to wrestle with is how am I loving others? How do we love the people around us? And I think for all of us, that's such a wide, big question. But I am confident that the Holy Spirit, if you ask him that, that God will answer you because he's calling us to do this. This is a call on our life. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us with a love that we could never fully fathom, that won't be made complete until we we meet you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And God, we listen to your call that we love one another and that the world will see that. So Lord, would you speak to us this week? Would you help us to answer that question? And would you help us to take steps? How do we love one another better? Lord, what can that look like? Because when we do, we see you. Thank you, God, for being here with us. And I pray for everyone here, everyone who is watching at home, listening in the future, whatever it is, God, would you encourage them this day? 
Would you encourage them with your faithfulness, with the promises in your word? Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please come up if you'd like prayer for anything. Have a great holiday weekend.